Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Lord, you are worthy in this place. God, above any other name, we, we place you at the highest place. Lord, you are worthy of God, all we have, all that we ever have had, all that we ever will have. God, all of us, we just, we lay ourselves at your feet, God, and we worship you. God, I thank you for allowing us the privilege of presence. And God, I thank you that in your presence, your word says there is fullness of joy, there is healing, there is restoration, there, there, is, there is freedom for the captive. God, I pray that you would allow us to experience the fullness of your presence today. We thank you for it. Worthy is your name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Boy, sometimes I just think you, we, we become familiar with the, the, the methodology of our worship. Church, I'm just going to encourage you. Don't ever do that. That when we come in and we, the Bible says where two or three are gathered, that he is there in our midst. Like this is the presence of God. And what an awesome privilege that he has given us to that. So boy, I'm so glad that you're here um, in that presence with me. So before you're seated, would you just turn around and say hi or shake hands, high fives, tell somebody happy Father's Day that they're here. It's a great day. Well, as has already been said um, to so many uh, of you, probably if you've come in and already from the stage, happy Father's Day. If you're here with us and you're joining us for the first time, you may be first time here and you're the dad, like the, the kids finally got you here. That's great. And we just want to say welcome home. It's really an honor that you would come and hang out with us here today and be in God's presence because it is about all about him. And uh, we're so glad that you're here today. If you're joining with us online, you're a dad online. Thank you for being there. Uh, just joining with us. It's an incredible opportunity that we could spend some time with you as well. I said it in the early service, so my mom and dad are probably not watching this, but if dad, if you're watching, happy Father's Day. And my two big kiddos who aren't here in the area, love you guys. And uh, thanks for the, the texts and all that stuff. You know, in days like this, and I know big kiddos are there, but the other little kiddo, little kiddo is here and too as well. So aren't you, isn't it great sometimes just to hit pause and just be grateful for those types of, of things that God has given us so many things to be thankful for. Well, for some of you, days like this is, that's a little bit of a challenge uh, because maybe um, there's been some things that uh, have transpired maybe in the past year or two and you could have possibly lost your dad or, or had some things that have been less than ideal. And can I just tell you that you're a part of a group of a family of, of believers that understands there's hope in Jesus and there that we really believe. In fact, a few weeks ago, we talked about this, this idea and this truth in God's word of that he gives us his spirit, not just to be in us and working through us, but to walk with us. And that God's spirit is that comforter and especially in times like this, that can be a challenge. So if you say, you know what, lost my dad, can we just um, stop just for a minute and say we, we understand 
and we love you and we, we join our faith with yours and we just pray together with you. Some of you say, um, you know what, I'm not a dad or I, I'm not in that space or whatever. And can I just tell you that God has given you a unique opportunity to be a spiritual mom and a dad. Pastor G said it so well earlier that uh, we all have the ability to be those uh, influencers in people's lives. And so thank you for doing that as well. Well, every week we have an opportunity to worship the Lord through a lot of different ways. We, we serve and we worship the Lord in our, our serving. We come and we sing and we hear from God's word. We also give. And through our faithful or through your faithfulness and our and our giving, boy, it's just amazing to see every week the ministry here at Calvary Church having an impact in the community all over. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your continued generosity. It's one of our core values. We believe that, that God has called us to be a people flowing in generosity, and you do that so well. It's a worship uh, element. It's a piece of how we worship the Lord. The Bible says that we're to return to the Lord his tithes, that first 10%, the first fruits, and bring to him our offerings. You can do that in a lot of different ways here at Calvary. You can give it uh, physically in the envelope, uh, in that seat pocket there in front of you. You can drop those in the buckets on your way out. You can give online at calvarytriad.com slash give. It'll take you through the steps there. You may want to set that up as a recurring payment. That's really the easiest way to do that. So you just don't have the system every time. And, and my wife and I do that. It just makes it easy. And then you can also text to give to uh, the, the amount to the number 84321. I don't always highlight this, but just as a, a reminder, as a thought for, for a method of generosity, we have had just an incredible opportunity here at Calvary Church to see different men and women that God has blessed through different areas, one of those being in, in stock. You say, well, this, in this economy, really? You know that, yeah, you know what? God's economy sometimes uh, kind of boggles our minds sometimes. We've had a ton of different people that have in just different arenas here respond to God's faithfulness in their lives and say, oh, I just need to sell off some of this stock package here. And boy, our financial department, Kim Taylor runs that and Chuck Furs here and helps in that, that area. And they've got the, the methodology is there in place. If that's ever something that you feel like God's leading you to do, be obedient to what God's doing. And we've got the methodology in place there to really uh, make that easy. And quite honestly, it's been very significant here lately about what God is doing in and through our, our lives. So that's an exciting time. Thank you for your giving. If you're visiting with you, say, man, he's sure talking about money a lot. No, here's why it's important. Because God has called us to be a generous people. And when if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, you've heard this idea of kingdom builders. And this, this idea of generosity is not just so that we can sit back and say, wow, look at what we've done here. But it's to say, hey, God, what can we do there? What can we as a body of, of believers here, how can we have an impact in people's lives all over the world? So you've heard us talking about this idea of kingdom builders lately. We just want to celebrate this week um, an opportunity that uh, was two, two weeks ago, or uh, we had the opportunity to talk to you about a project that we're partnering together with in, uh, in Togo, in Africa, country there. And we have just committed that we're going to be a part of translating the Bible into a language that is not yet available. It's called the Kabi language. And we said that a couple weeks ago when we mentioned that it was about $24,000 to get this done. This first week that we've announced this and started leaning into that, over $20,000 has already come in towards that project. That's amazing. <clears throat> 
And when we, when we, we celebrate, that's, that's you that are, that are doing that. So God's doing some great things. I just encourage you to continue to give. You can never outgive God. And uh, I just believe that. I've, I've lived that out in my life. I've seen it. I can tell you testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness. And even in the middle of paying almost $5 for a gallon of gas. That hurts, doesn't it? But God's big. And I say, God, it's just paper. You own the cattle on a thousand hills, right? And so, man, I wish some of those cattle could fill my car sometime, but I don't know how that works. But anyway, that's just great. I appreciate you giving to Kingdom Builders. One of the other ways that um, Kingdom Builders has such an incredible impact uh, is not just through our giving, but also in our going. And uh, we've got a team of, of men and women that are going to be leading this week to be building God's kingdom, not just in our giving, but in our going. And I'm going to ask these to come and uh, just let us pray for them today. And uh, Pastor Tom's going to be leading this team that leave Thursday to go to South Africa. We've actually got another team going in September of this year that there's still some spots available for that. Pastor Tom would be able to have that discussion with you as well. But uh, Pastor Tom, would you and the team that are here still, they were here in the early service that are going to South Africa, would you come and just stand across the front and let us pray um, with you. Let me read their names as they're coming so you'll know who uh, to be praying for this next few days. Uh, Pastor Tom, as I mentioned, and his wife, Kenda, and their daughter, Macy Blackwood, Kim Burgess, Ashton Hooker, uh, Levi Fisher, Brittany Fisher, <clears throat> excuse me, Emily and Linda Fisher, David and Terry Hotchkiss, Barbara Jewell, Jean and Ian McCollum, and Katie Tuttle. And I'm going to ask if those are, if there are some of you from maybe the prayer team or some of you that may be sitting down here close, would you join me up front? And we're going to lay our hands and pray for this team as they go as a representative of Calvary Church and also of the Lord. So church, would you stand with me, all of us in this room, those of you that are close and that feel like you would just want to join me in praying for these and let's just allow God to be used uh, in their lives through them. If you're in your seats, would you just stretch your hands forward? Um, and just uh, as a sign of faith, let's just ask God to be with them. Father, I pray right now for these men and women that are in this, this room here now today, that God, as they go this next couple of days and leaving on Thursday to South Africa, would you just, God, keep them, keep them safe, keep them in your hands. God, I pray that you would just allow them to be used in such an incredibly powerful way. God, would you just drop in their hearts and their spirits during this time a sense of anointing, a sense of purpose like never before. God, I pray that you would just allow this time to be transformational in their lives. God, drop in them during this time a burden for the lost like never before. God, I thank you for what you're doing in and through their lives. God, keep them safe. Keep them healthy. Keep them in a place of joy and peace. God, I pray for Pastor Tom and his leadership that you would just give him wisdom as decisions will have to be made that are, that are planned and some that are unplanned. God, give them favor as they walk into this journey and this adventure and this incredibly exhilarating place of being obedient in our going. God, use them. God, touch kiddos as they're, they're doing VBS there in South Africa and just telling kids about Jesus and, and the wonders of God's grace. I just pray that you would use them in a mighty way. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you're seated, would you give them a hand as they're responding to God's grace here today? Amen and amen. 
Well, I am so excited to be a part of a family like, um, like Calvary Church that, uh, man, we just get so many things right. <laughs> and I, there are some things we get wrong. I get it. We, but we get a lot of things right. And there are things like this that is just near and dear to my heart. I love seeing, <clears throat> excuse me, I love seeing God's plan just played out in their lives. And it's awesome. I'll tell you what happens it's not just the people that those, those teams go to uh, minister to, but the, the fruit of trips like this is what happens in their lives as well. Because I promise you, when that team comes back, that's going to be the biggest bunch of kingdom builders that you'll ever see. Because when you see it, it, it catches in you. I've taken leaders um, on trips all over the world in, in my different phases of ministry, and there's something that clicks when you see Boy, this, this kingdom of God is really bigger than just us right here. And that's exciting. And so if you're visiting with us this morning, boy, thanks for being here. But also just I want to be, let you uh, be aware. You're a part of a family of believers that we are really sold out to this cause of building God's kingdom all over the world. And that, that's pretty great. We are not a group of spectators. We do not just sit back and say, well, that's great. Let somebody else do that. No, we're all in. We engage. We're devoted to the call of God on our lives. And that's, a, that's an exhilarating place to be. And I know you appreciate that as well. Well, how many of you uh, would agree with me and uh, just want to say, and I know he's out teaching a class right now, but say thank you, Pastor Scott, for last week bringing a great and powerful word. It was incredible. It was good. It was really good. And if you were here last week, you realized that that was two weeks in a row that we've had power tools represented up on the stage, right? Did you notice that? And today's Father's Day. So guys, if you can go ahead and bring that. No, I'm just teasing. There's nothing. I don't have a power tool for you today. So you're like, oh man, it's like, you know, well, this is the moment you could have done that or whatever. But it was, it was a fun week last week. Pastor Scott brought a great, great word. I'm so honored to be able to serve with men and women on the pastoral staff here that have a call of God on their lives. And uh, it's just fun. We, we are part of a great family. Well, we're continuing this week in the series, as we have been for the last four weeks. This is week five in our series in the book of Acts. If you're just joining us, kind of jumping in midstream, great. That's awesome because you've come for a really um, a, a crucial part in this story. In Acts, we've talked about how that Acts was written by this man named Luke. He also wrote one of the Gospels. He was a physician. So he's very concerned with the details. And when he writes Acts, he gives us a very um, clear picture of what this birth of the early church what we are now a part of looked like in its infancy, in its beginning stages. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the, the, the impetus, the, the fuel under the fire, so to speak, in this, this birth of the local church was this day of Pentecost. When the Bible says that the fulfillment of many prophecies were fulfilled, when God poured out his spirit upon all these men and women, and they were in this upper room, and they began to speak in other tongues, and people from all over the area began to hear their languages, and these men are ordinary unschooled men. They couldn't be doing this except for this spirit empowerment. And we see that this idea of the story continuing, it really does continue in our lives. And so for us here at Calvary Church, we've just decided that we're going to look at the pattern that God sets in his word in the book of Acts to see how that we corporately, Calvary, but also individually as moms and dads and as followers of Jesus, 
could pattern our lives because this, this series that we're in, this idea of the story continues, is not just a cute little phrase. It's a life-transforming truth if you'll allow it to sink in. This idea of the story continuing, it's for you and me. This idea is transformational. So today in Acts chapter two, we are in part five, like I said, and the, the, the idea, the thought behind today is the thought that you would wrestle with, are you devoted or distracted? And can I be honest with you, in my own life, there are seasons when I would say yes to both because we go back and forth between deep devotion and distraction. And God, I think, wants to have for us today um, some very practical applications to his word. In fact, so much so, I said it in the early service, I'll say it to you, there's cards on those seat pockets in front of you, possibly, that uh, they say notes on the top. Pull one of those out on the back of it. It says, what is God saying to you? And our response today, I really believe, is going to be one of those things where the Holy Spirit, throughout our time today, looking at his word, may just drop some, some, some nuggets, some thoughts into your hearts that you would say, this is what God is saying to me. This is a distraction in my life that I need to remove so that I can be devoted. And that, that really is some, some application. Our response today, I said it this way in the early service, I'll say it to you. Our response today, yes, we're going to have a time in the, the end to pray for those that are sick and to join our faith with theirs. And that's going to be great. But our response corporately and individually to the truth of God's word is probably going to be more outside these doors than inside. How do we live out and really put into play this idea of the story continuing in our life? So let's jump into this scripture today as a foundation. Acts chapter two, if you have your Bible, if not, you can follow along with me starting in verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves, huge key phrase, just latch on, devoted themselves. What does that mean? devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, real churchy word, right? To be hanging out, we're together, right? To fellowship and to sharing in meals, come on somebody, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. So if you're starting a church or just try to figure out what should church be about, that's it. There you go. That's pretty, pretty foundational right there. At the very beginning, they said they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, to sharing of meals, and to prayer. And because of that, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The gifts of the Spirit and the impartation of that power allowed them to be devoted. And then this is what happened goes on to say, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Generosity. You see where that's playing out there. They worshiped together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. I want you to really focus on that last phrase, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. You got to understand the context of when this was written was a time when the early church was not necessarily from the surface looking in, enjoying the goodwill of, of what people were seeing. They were being persecuted. They were being put on trial. It was a tense time. And yet Luke in the middle of this says when, when the eyes and the perspective are up here a little bit different, not seeing necessarily the temporal, but the 
eternal. They're saying, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Boy, let's fight for, for that, that dynamic to be a part of our lives, that we would not make enemies and, and divide each other and be divided by so many of these distractions we'll hear about in a minute, but we would, we would contend for with great passion the goodwill of all the people. That's an important phrase there. And then as a result of that, and each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. That's, that's also one of those words, if you're visiting me, saying being saved, what does that mean? Well, the Bible talks about when, when our life is pointed in a direction away from God, that, that there's this salvation or this saving from that direction to another direction in serving Jesus for eternal life. The wages of sin, that, that direction is death and separation from God, but he provides a way out for us to be Saved, And when it talks about this, it's saying that because of their devotion, that many people's lives were being changed. And that's the church I want to be a part of. That's the, that's the movement that God is calling us to be. That's building his kingdom. That's what this is all about. So today we're going to talk about this idea of devotion versus distraction. Devotion versus distraction. And in the middle of this time where it's the, the, um, the beginning or the launch of the early church, there were these, these early church leaders that for, for us in Father's Day here, I'm going to draw your attention to one of them. He's actually been called one of the early church fathers, a spiritual father in there. His name was Polycarp. You may ever heard the name Polycarp. You say, wow, what kind of weird name is that? Well, he was an early church leader and, and historical writings and the writings after the, the, the book of Acts and the plays out here, there was this, uh, this culture in the, the region there where there were people that were kind of heroes of the faith but that also went through some incredible trials and, and strife and, and persecution. Polycarp was one of those early church fathers. He was what um, the, the historical writings say is the bishop of this area called Smyrna. He lived during the time of the first apostles. He was, he was really closely connected. Um, scholars say there's two likely uh, connections that he had, and that was either to John or to Paul. And the reason why is because in many of his writings, there are, are direct references to, there's similarities in writing styles, and then there's just direct quotes from them. So, so this was a man, he was an early church father that was very well connected to this birth of the local church. When you read in Acts, and all the believers were devoted, he was, he was in that middle, he was in that mix of that, that church uh, birth stage where those people were very devoted. He was in like uh, in the timeline there, the first half of the second century, century, and yet we hear from his story that he was a martyr, that he died, that he was killed because of his faith more than likely around the year AD 155. There's some elements of Polycarp's um, um, death and his martyrdom that quite honestly, in fact, it's really easy for us on, on Father's Day to, to, to use this analogy because I think sometimes, and I'm, I'm not wanting to camp too much here, but, but this idea of fatherhood and masculinity is, quite, is, is in our society and in culture really under attack. It's, it's amazing to see the devaluing of, of men and especially of men of God. And can I just tell you, this is not a style 
nihilistic thing. This isn't that we have to all go out and throw axes at something and, and grunt and grow beards or whatever. You know, that, that's not about that, but it is about men of God who would stand up and would be devoted to the word of God, would be devoted to a passionate expression of grace involved in their lives and be courageous. In fact, this idea of devotion, it has direct connection to this idea that, that God, when he was calling Joshua, when he said, be strong and courageous, it's the same type of passion behind of that. And so in this society, in our world, it, it may do us well to look at an example in Polycarp here of someone that had devotion to the nth degree. In fact, I said it in the early service that uh, there was one of the, the, when I was reading and going through some of the study of this, Polycarp lived out his faith in the time of, of uh, what we know in historical recollection there in documents of the gladiators. Perhaps one of the greatest movies I've seen, right? Gladiators say, oh, Pastor John, you can't admit that. Oh my goodness, I get jazzed about that. It just, it's like the testosterone, it make, makes me want to go haunt or something. I just, you know, this movie. And what it involved is it involved this man who took a stand in the, amount, in the middle of a, an incredibly evil and perverse society. Here's this man standing for truth and standing for beliefs. And, and the, the movie, it's a movie, right? But it's, it has to do with this setting that Polycarp was, was in. The movie, there's the character, Russell Crowe plays this, and a cool statement, he says, what we do in life echoes, you got to say it like that, echoes, echoes, echoes. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Can I tell you that that is true? <laughs> what you do in life echoes in eternity, and Polycarp was a guy who understood that. So he's, he's brought before the trial. He's marched into this arena where he's going to die. He is like gonna, he knows the fate. It's like the, it's already laid out in front of him. He's tried and he's wanting, they're wanting to tell him to renounce his faith, to turn your back against Christ. It says in this writing, it says, when he was threatened to repent or be attacked by beasts, that they would do. Polycarp calls the elder or the leaders there, the proconsul, to repent of unrighteousness and turn to Christ. We're going to throw you in the lions. We're going to release the tigers. We're going to do all this stuff and you're going to be ripped to shreds. And he says, oh yeah, you need to repent of your sin. How? Well, okay. That's about devotion. That's passion. That is not someone shrinking back and being distracted. That is someone that is devoted when they, when they threaten him with fire, we're going to burn you. Or whatever. Polycarp says, okay, you're going to burn me. I warn you of the fires of the final judgment. He just flips it back at them and says, you can take my life, all that, whatever. But eternity, what we do in life echoes in eternity. There's this, there's this moment of passion where Polycarp's saying, I'm all in, I'm devoted. And they were all devoted to the apostles' teaching. Can I tell you something, church? That was not just a cute little kumbaya small group type of devotion. That was a devotion to the point of death. That was a devotion to the point of we are all in, no matter what the cost. The story continues in us. How does that apply to us? Well, Polycarp gets to this point and he's challenged. He's saying, denounce your faith, renounce this man, Jesus. And he says this statement that many of you, if you've studied this time of history, you may have heard this before. He said this, for 86 years, I've been his servant and he's done me no wrong. How can I now blaspheme my king who saved me? That's devotion. 
That's someone standing up and saying, no, 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 no. I have been, I have, I have allowed the grace of God to save, to save me and to enrapture all of my passions. And there is no way that I can be distracted from this devotion right now in my life. He goes on when the, when the, it says in this writing, it says, while the stadium games, games were intended to celebrate power and justice and glory to the empire, the Roman empire, Polycarp instead exalts Christ over Caesar and Rome. Polycarp was not going to hail Caesar at the cost of denying the singular lordship of Christ. After a heated trial, he still defiantly proclaims that he is an unwavering Christian. This writing says the preparations for burning him, they were going to burn him alive. These things happened with such great speed. They were quicker than it takes to even tell. And the crowd came together immediately and they prepared wood from the workshops and the baths and the Jews were extremely zealous as is their custom. And it says immediately, therefore, he was fastened to the instruments, to the structure that they had built to burn him. He's fastened. He's tied to this this structure to burn him alive, right? Right? He was fastening the instruments which had been prepared for the fire, and then they were going to nail him to that, to keep him on that structure. You know what Polycarp does? He does not have a sense of distraction, of, of weak, of backing down. He's all in. And he says this statement when they're trying to figure out, you know, okay, now we got to nail him. He says, leave me thus. For he who gives me power to endure the fire will grant me to remain in the flames unmoved, even without the security you will give by the nails. Can I just stop in this story and say to you that when we talk a few weeks ago about the Holy Spirit coming upon you in this day of Pentecost will give you power, it's this kind of power. It may not be a literal fire, but there is a fire that God has placed us in the middle of kind of like that, that purifies gold and silver and these precious, when you are put into tension and to a society that does not believe the way you do. In fact, the very freedoms that our nation was founded upon right now are, are looked upon as so irrelevant and out of touch. And can I tell you church that the word of God is never irrelevant, that the foundation of God's word and scripture will always be something to be devoted to. But I know, I know, I know, I know because we're living in it right now that just like polycarp, not maybe necessarily literally, possibly, but figuratively, there is a fire burning around you. And if you will have the power that God gives you, you can say to those people, you know what? Don't even worry about it. I've been called to stand strong here. I'm going to stand in the middle of this turmoil and this tension because the Holy Spirit is a fire that gives me the power to withstand whatever you can come up against me. And I have committed to be a devoted follower of Christ because the story continues in me. And that spirit can well up in you. So, so Polycarp, he just kind of his thumb in his nose at him. He's like, you know what? Don't even bother with the nails. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going anywhere. Don't you love it? I just, I just, there's a grunt that needs to be in there too. I was like, you go Polycarp as I read the story. 
because it's a little bit different when it's here. So the fire is lit and it doesn't consume him. The, 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 not the Bible, the writings here uh, talk about that the fire forms this wall around him and they're confused because it's not consuming him. And many of the witnesses in the arena there said it smelled like, uh, it didn't smell like flesh burning like they would have been used to, but it, but it had a different aroma. There wasn't this burning flesh. And so eventually one of the soldiers there had to go cre- you know, create a little diversion in the fire there, go in, took his sword, stabbed him in the, in the side there, and he bleeds out. And the, the writings there say that the blood that flowed from Polycarp quenched the fire, and he dies in front of this arena. It's devotion. He said, Pastor John, you're really being negative. Happy Father's Day. Great. Let's go eat barbecue, right? <laughs> The truth of it is, is that sometimes it takes moments of, of shaking us out of our apathy to say, hey, how, what's the level of your devotion? You remember I said our response is probably outside of these doors then. My hope is that even as we've talked through this, the Holy Spirit being to talk through and, and speak into your hearts and minds applications of levels of devotion in your life that have kind of slipped a little bit, that it's time to, to step, them, step them up. That's devotion. What does it mean to be fully devoted in our world today? Well, the truth of it is this, that the enemy of devotion has always and will continue to be always been distraction. If the enemy, if, if people against you can cause you to be distracted, it will pull you away from devotion. He said, I don't necessarily believe you on that. Well, let's just bring it real practical. As a parent, I understand this principle beautifully. <laughs> when, when we were raising our kids when they were smaller, you know, you guys have been there. Please don't look at me like I'm a bad parent when I say this or whatever. You know, when they're, when they're learning to walk and they fall and bump their head or whatever, and they're like, ah! we're going to die. What do you do? Sippy cup, quick, you know, pacifier, quick. Well, you distract them. You know, that's just a little blood. Suck it up. You know, whatever, you know, that's with like the second or third kid, the first kid, you don't do that, but you distract them and they're, you know, you understand you take care of them or whatever. But when there's this, ah, over exaggeration of things as parents, we distract them. You say, well, that's, um, I didn't do that. I was a perfect parent. No, you liar. So anyway, uh, you did magicians, they do the same thing. They understand this power of distraction, right? When they're saying that, okay, I'm going to make this rabbit disappear in this hand, whatever. And then you see this, I'm going to make this rabbit disappear. And then they go over here to distract you. It's the distraction. So the sleight of hand can work. This idea of distraction will always take us away from our purpose, from our devotion. The enemy of our souls has been doing this from day one. He did that to, to David when he's looking over and shouldn't be looking there, but oh, wait, on the roof of, you know, all these, it's a distraction to the purpose of what God has called us to do. Devotion is all in. I am singularly focused. I'm going here up squirrel. It's a distraction, right? It's this, this idea of pulling our attention away from the things that God has called us to do. You say, pastor John, what are those distractions? Oh man, we don't have enough time, right? Because quite honestly, some of them are the same that have been there since the beginning of time. Lust, greed, envy, jealous, all those things. And I get it. I don't know the exact recipe of distraction that the enemy uses against you, but he's pretty smart. 
He knows your weak spots and he's going to expose those vulnerabilities. But here's what I do know. All of us in the society that we're in right now, there is a common element of distraction that if you'll allow me today, I want to get very practical and, and, and really poke a little bit. And you're not going to like me because this was one of like, I'm, I'm poking at myself too a little bit. And, and that is this, this idea of distraction in our world today, the most glaring form of distraction right now is in media, in news, social media, and different things that are available to us on these fun little devices that we have in our pockets and, our, and we, oh, but I'm, I'm looking at the Bible I'm, I, I, until that notification pops up and then, you know, you're off into Facebook land. I get it. And I get it. I, I understand. I'm not going to poke too much because I'm, I'm guilty right there with you. So I've been really processing through this, this scripture in Acts chapter two, where it says, and they were fully devoted to the apostles teaching. I said, God, why is that so difficult? Why is that so challenging for us to be all in? And this idea of distractions really has been, been key in my life. And, and I want to share with you some practical things that, that we've done, Kim and I as family, and just trying to remove some of these distractions. We have not gotten it right all the time. We've gotten some things right, but not all the time. But the first step of defeating an enemy is to understand the enemy. And so just for a few minutes, if you'll allow me, um, I'd like to share with you some thoughts uh, to, uh, to kind of unveil this one idea of distraction in our media and especially in our social media. I've been reading this book. It's not by a Christian author. Um, he's not a believer, um, but the book's called Stolen Focus. His name is Johan Hari, H-A-R-I. Um, he's pretty brilliant, smart man about technology. And he's done some of this kind of uncovering of some of the different things. Many of you have seen some documentaries lately, lately on different things. Um, but it's not necessarily about the, the, I'm not trying to tear down things. I'm trying to make us aware of distractions and remove distractions. All tech companies and all advertising, all media companies for that measure their success by one thing, engagement engagement. They get paid by the advertisers that uh, determine how long you are engaged, how long that screen is up in front of you. That's not anything new. You understand that. That's how these things are free. They're not free. You're paying with your time, that attention there. There was an invention in this space a few years ago that many of you didn't recognize it actually happened and is happening to you every day. But in front of your screen, there's this invention that happened on all these pages. And it was this phrase, infinite scroll, an infinite scroll. Some of you may remember the back in the day, whenever you would do a, a news page or a Facebook page or whatever, you'd get to the bottom of the page and you'd have to click on the little button that says more or whatever, and it would load more or I want to read more or see more, whatever. And it was, it made you make an intentional decision to invest more time. Well, somebody in their, their brilliance came along and says, let's remove that decision from the consumer, the user, and let's just make it infinite. You could scroll for eternity. And some of you do, uh, on that, on that, the Facebook, and it just keeps going infinite scroll. This idea of infinite scroll was such an enormous invention. It exponentially increased the level of our, you say, oh no, we're just reading the Bible all day long. Oh, 
no, <laughs> you're not. I see you on Facebook. So anyway, yeah, that's it. But, but this infinite scroll, yeah, um, I'm meddling now. Some of you are really giving me ugly faces and some of you are smiling. I'm going to keep looking at the smilers here or whatever. But this infinite scroll, it changed things. It changed our level of distraction. And this book was writing this is every day as a direct result of this invention, this infinite scroll, people spend 50% more time on those media platforms that I, you know, we can stomach that probably that's like, okay, that's, I would probably agree with that. Here's this next statement. Because of that, the combined total of 200 thousand more human lifetimes, birth to death, all of that time, 200,000 people have been now spent scrolling through a screen. And all the apostles were devoted to the fellowship of the apostles teaching. How in the world could we fight against such distractions in our lives and be devoted when there's this onslaught of distraction in front of us. The interview with the inventor of this, interview, uh, this infinite scroll idea said their distraction, your distraction, is our fuel. He said it this way, we shape more than 11 billion interruptions to people's lives every day. We're creating an arms race that causes companies to find more reasons to steal people's time and it destroys our common silence and ability to think. You better be aware of your distractions. Do we really know what we are doing to people? Say, Pastor John, what are, what are you getting at? I'm, I'm trying to point out to us distractions that are in our lives that are robbing us of the ability to be devoted. It's not just the level of time that are spent in these distractions, but it's also the content of the distractions. Technology companies understand one of the, the, the truths of people, and that is this phrase called negativity bias. That is the built-in in who we are that negative things attract us more than positive things. You say, well, that's not true for us as followers of Christ. If you left today and there was a, a, a crash out on a wreck, car wreck on Pleasant Ridge, I promise you the amount of time that we would spend either looking or attending to that would be, would be much greater than if there was someone out there passing out flowers to people driving by. Positive in there. If there was a house on fire, a building on fire, our, our attention, it's just in us. We, we are drawn to the negative much more than we, that. Now, should that be? No, but it's our flesh. It's a, and, and we need to fight against that. But technology companies have understood that. And so if engagement is the level of success, what they're measured on, then how can you be more engaged by presenting to you things that get you outraged? In fact, there is some formulas in there, like words like hate and, and, and different um, high volatile words of negative have much greater click-through rates in social media than the positive. We are attracted. It's that negativity bias. And so people in these areas, they've used that as a distraction force. You know how I know it's played out? Because even in this day and age, what used to be in the last two or three years, this has been huge in our lives and society. Even in the church, we can't seem to have conversations about things that are, that are important in our society without allowing 
watching the lines to be drawn and saying, oh, no, red, blue, Republican, Democrat, ah, we can't even talk about things because we've all kind of pulled over to our side and we've allowed ourselves to become so distracted that we camp right there and we can't even love our brothers and sisters in Christ over issues that really have no bearing on Bible and we get so alienated from some of these things that it's damaging to our devotion. I'll say it again. I said it earlier that this, this church, this pastor, we are not going to get sucked into that dilemma of, of drawing sides unless it has to do with what this word teaches. I'm out. We're going to let, you know, politicians be the politicians, but when it has impact on here, I can tell you this right now, we're going to stand strong and we're going to speak life and we're going to speak truth when it has to do with God's word. But I just want to tell you, please, church, help us do not get sucked into this dividing and conquering, you know, type mentality because it's not useful to our devotion. That's good preaching. Yeah, thank you. Okay, yeah, I'll just do that. Well, you say, Pastor John, you're spending a lot of time on that. I think it's important for us to recognize the distraction. One final thing, this, this book said this, today this attitude, condemn more, understand less, has become the default response of almost everyone from the right to the left as we spend our lives dancing to the tune of algorithm, algorithms that reward fury and penalize mercy. When I read Acts and it says that they were, were enjoying the goodwill of all people, it sounds very much in contradiction to what this strategy is. Can I beg you as a church, can you fight to be devoted to finding the common ground of the goodwill of all people? Please understand that does not mean sacrificing truth, but I believe that God has given us the unique anointing of the Holy Spirit to come to a brother or a sister or a child of the King who everybody on this planet is and say to them, you know what? I love you enough to share truth with you, even if that doesn't really sit well with them and to be loving and yet truthful. And I believe God has given us the unique ability to be able to walk that, that balance out there, the distraction and devotion. So how do we do it? And I'll conclude today with the practical application of this. How do we fight these distractions that divide us and stay devoted to this story continuing in us? Because that's really the truth of Acts 2.42. They somehow figured it out. They get, now, the distractions weren't the same, but those distractions were there with them too. They didn't have Facebook or Twitter or all the stuff, but there's, there were distractions there. How about, you know, oh my, I'm going to be burned to death, right? That's a pretty big distraction. I'm out. I just, whoa, whoa, you know. No, they were devoted. So how did they do it? And here was their pattern that I want to just talk to you for a few more minutes today as, as we uh, wrap this up. So what this is about is just very practical steps. And I want to just kind of pull back, not preach, but teach her a little bit from practical experience there. How do we stay fully devoted? Well, we devote ourselves to scripture, to life with, and to generosity. Three real key elements. I want to give you some practical um, applications of this devoted to scripture. Our society and our world today has more access to the, to God's word than we've ever had in the history of mankind. 
You open up any phone, device, tablet, whatever. I love the, the, the men and women, the leaders that have developed the YouVersion Bible app. It's incredible, right? There's every translation of portion of scripture you could have there. There's, there's small group opportunities for you to dive into it. When my wife and I were leading the last couple of years, the Bible engagement project, we were just so cool to see the, the generosity of, of the church, the big C church, whether it's American Bible society or Tyndale publishers, basically giving us new living translation to be in Bible engagement. There's just this, this availability of scripture that is so good. Here's the truth of it though. If we don't do anything with it, if we're not devoted to it, it's just a piece of, you know, a, a app on your phone that's just sitting there. It's just a piece of metal that's not working for you. And how can we continue to be devoted to scripture? Let me give you a, an example of, a, of something that God put in my heart several years ago through a friend of mine, this example, as dads in the room, but not just dads, moms, spiritual moms, dads, whatever idea. Stole this idea from a friend of mine, and uh, I thought it was incredibly brilliant. He said every, every kid that he had, he has uh, three or four kids, and I, I've got three. So for me, it'd be three kids. I've, I've bought a really nice Bible, like leather-bound, really big. This is like a, a, you know, a, a head-thumper Bible. It's like the one he's like, man, you're going to preach today, aren't you, or whatever. So I got them all their Bible, and it's really nice. And what I did is took the Bible reading plan, like through the Bible in a year, whatever it is, and read through that plan with one thing in mind. This one's Chandler's, my son's Bible. And I, I said every day when I would read the scripture, I would say, God, speak to me for my son through your word. Whatever the portion of scripture is, yes, there's personal applications, but when I was going through this, I was like, God, show me what you would have me to say to my son through this particular passage of scripture. And I did this in this Bible, and there's margins that you can write in it and all this stuff. So for instance, when I was doing this, this is his Bible, I love it. it I'm not gonna read so much. I read too much in the early service and I started crying. So I'm trying not to do that here today. But, but when I was doing this, this is a great tool, a legacy for you, number one, as a dad to be devoted to scripture, but then also to pass that on to the next generation that they would be devoted to scripture as well. For instance, Proverbs chapter 27, one of my favorite verses, verse 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. I said, Chandler, make sure you always have good friends. You say, well, that's not really groundbreaking. Whatever. It's me as a dad saying to you, this verse means choose your friends. Wisely, you know what's great about this? And just some of it was really deep and, and serious, whatever. Others were kind of fun. Here you go, dads. I'll give you this verse, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 15. This is just straight up scripture, ladies. I'm sorry. A quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Do not say amen to that right now, guys. <laughs> a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a, ta- tri- uh, on a rainy day. I wrote in the margins to my son, buddy, choose wisely. <laughs> and then I said with a little smiley's face, and I'll help pick her out for you if you want, you know, that kind of deal. So uh, it's just an incredible opportunity over here in the, the book of Joel, the prophecy that says your sons and daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. In the margin, I wrote to my son, God has been, God has been and will continue to pour his spirit out. Chandler, be filled with his spirit. And I made notes like this all throughout the Bible here to my son from, from dad's heart to his 
practical way, men, for you to give a, a legacy to your kids, being devoted to the scripture. I've done this for all three of my kiddos. We just Chloe just got her Bible a few uh, months ago and just different things. Just enough. be devoted to scripture. It removes distractions. It removes distractions. Putting a goal out in front of you there, it helps you remove distractions. Second thing that the, the pattern in the book of Acts there is devoted to life with Father's Day is a tough day for us to say this because we as men, I'll just be honest, and, and some of it's built into us and some of it we just got to fight against. But many of us as men, especially, we just, we kind of like to go fly solo too much. And although there are some instinctual things in that, we don't have time to go that. Can I tell you, men, we need other men. I am so grateful. Yeah, I am so grateful for the men of God that have voice into my life and have for many, many years. I was thinking about that this morning, Father's Day, even spiritual fathers of this house. I'm so grateful for Pastor David Crabtree, who in the last year we've become friends and he texts me all the time. He's like, I'm just, just now getting his relationship with me, but I know many of you have had that for years and I honor the spiritual fathers of the house. But the truth of it is, is that season's, that season's it, gone and God's calling us and you as men in this house to be spiritual fathers to those people. That's why things like mighty men are so important. It's not just to, to say, Hey, we've got a people, a group that, that meet on Saturday that met yesterday and meet again this Saturday. It's not just about the stuff, although the content is great. It's about doing life with, that's why when we post things on Facebook about going as guys and hanging out and eating barbecue or whatever, it's not just to, to get fat and eat barbecue. Although that's kind of fun, right? You know, whatever. But there's this life with that happens. And the, the apostles, the early apostles, they understood that. They got it. There's this relationship that takes place when we do life with. It's not just men, it's women involved in, in ministry too. Calvary, man, we say this all the time that small groups really are a big deal. That's why I love this. Even during the summer when everybody's, you know, vacation, all that stuff, inspire women have small groups that are popping up all over the place, whether it's, Hey, we're going to have a small group that goes walks in the park and just talk about Jesus and life and, and moms and, and parenting and things like that. We're doing life with saw a small group that popped up the other day. They, they were a small group that wanted to learn more from each other about how to garden. And I'm like, all right, you know, that's great. Let's do life with, you know, what happens in the middle of those relationships and talking about real practical things in life. You have this network of friend of friends that then when conflict and trial comes, you don't necessarily need to, to just lean on and rely on all the paid pastors and the staff. You call that small group leader or that person that helped you plant that begonia. Yeah. Don't you glad I know that name there. And, and then you say, you know what? Pray for me. I've got this relationship that there as well. They were devoted to life with. It's important. One of the best ways you can be involved in a small group is really the secret way to not even be involved in a small group, but it really is when you volunteer, when you serve, when you're involved in the ministries at Calvary Church, now you're a part of something bigger than yourselves and you're investing in the new and the next generation. You're pouring your lives into to men and women, no matter what the station, and you're, you're being involved. You're involved in that group. And as volunteers, you have this, this connection and bond that you do life with last week. 
week. Can I tell you the real impact of what happens through volunteers is right now happening over in, in just beyond the West Lobby here in our Kidman area and nursery. There are volunteers that are heroes, right? They're not necessarily being burned at the stake heroes, right? I hope not, but, but it, they're, they're, they're heroes. They're serving with devotion. In fact, last week in staff meeting, this is what takes place when men and women like you say, we're committed to this life with and we serve in areas of the church. Pastor Sherry was sharing with our staff last week that in the middle of kids' church, so one of the, the young boys had to go to the restroom, leader took him to the restroom, did all that, came back, and he comes back in his heart and his face is like really like heavy. And Pastor Sherry said she went over to him and she said he just got down and said, hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? You know, is everything okay? And through tears, this little boy said, in the middle of Kidman, because of leaders like yourselves that are devoted to life, we said, Pastor Sherry, I think God's calling me to be a missionary to Asia. That's a kingdom builder. That's young. That's young men and women that because of older men and women devoted to life with, God continues the, the story in them. This is not, this is not like some, you know, deep thing that you have to wrestle with and say, I can't figure this out. The truth of God's word is deep, but it's deep because it means transformational work in our lives. When we're devoted to life with, the story continues. And finally, as Pastor Clayton and the team come and help me kind of wrap this up, we're devoted to generosity. We've talked about kingdom builders. I didn't get that. Not, those are real practical ways here that we could be involved in generosity. You know another way you could be involved and devoted to generosity? In the midst of crazy high inflation, you can tip really well. Ooh, yeah, you say, you're clapping over tips. Yeah, I get it. I understand. But you know what? God's put it on my heart. And this time. We were in a restaurant the other day, and it was Friday night, right? It was supposed to be hopping. It wasn't hopping. And people are a little bit pulled back. Can I tell you that, that we can, even in those situations, be salt and light and be God's grace revealed to those men and women that are serving in a good way? And maybe that's just a, hey, we sure appreciate you and, and tip well. That two or three extra dollars that you put on that tip is not going to break you. You're going to be all right. God's going to reward your generosity. I promise you. Tip well. Be devoted to generosity in all areas of our lives. It seems to me that in order to be devoted, we have to practice this devotion. So my, my, my challenge to you is what is God saying to you today practically? Maybe it's getting the Bible and starting reading it for your kids or maybe your parents or your spouse, whatever it is. Maybe you say, you know what? I really do need to serve. I need to be involved with life with. I need to be involved in some of these small groups or God just help me with my generosity. Polycarp, back to him. When he approached the arena before he was martyred, crowds going crazy in the writings of the, the book. It's a book called Martyrdom of Polycarp. And it says this, that the crowds, the noise in the arena was such could be heard for miles. And yet every person in there, their documentation, the stories that were written in the middle of this bloodthirsty crowd, they were there to see this man die. They heard a voice. Couldn't see the speaker, but audibly heard a voice. And we know and just understand that sometimes God just interrupts and speaks. 
And in the middle of this, there's this voice that was heard and it said this, be strong, Polycarp, play the man. We would say it in our verbiage, be a man, be a woman of God that's fully devoted, that is willing to stand in the middle of the fire, that says, I know you want to nail me to this, but that's okay. Don't worry about that. I'm devoted and God's empowered me enough to be devoted uh, despite your distractions, enemy. I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to not allow that Facebook thread to distract me from time with Jesus and time with his word. I'm going to be devoted. When, when my kids are asking questions in the car or at the dinner table, I'm not going to worry about the beep, you know, that's a text message coming through. I'm not going to be distracted by the TV on. I'm not, you say, oh, that's not real spiritual. Yeah, but it's very practical that robs us from those deep spiritual moments. In that time in Acts chapter two, when they were devoted fully to the apostles teaching, they were not distracted. They fought against that distraction. And I believe God's calling us to be a church that would do the same. Dads, it's a call to you. Be strong, Polycarp. Play the man. Be devoted, be a husband, be a father that would stand up and say, in the middle of all of this distraction, I'm going to be a man of God that would fight for my family, that would honor my wife, that would treat her like the queen, that would just, my kids would see me honor her, that my kids would feel the respect that I have for them. And it would thus, their respect for me would increase. I would play the man. The women understand that same devotion and that same passion that God wants to raise up within you as well. What's God saying to you? The truth of it is, this story does continue. Would you stand with me all over this room? I told you our response to the message today is simply, God, what are you saying to us? What are the distractions in our lives that keep us from this full level of devotion? And quite honestly, it may just be some of those power through uh, methods and saying, you know what? I just need to start reading, reading the scripture more. And quite, you know, the, the idea of reading it for somebody else, there's a hook of accountability there that really works. Boy, if my kids are dependent upon that, it's a little bit different. Somebody else in my small group is dependent upon me being connected. My devotion level goes up. People are dependent upon you for your generosity. My devotion level goes up. Write it down. Tell somebody about that. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come to the front here this morning. I mentioned earlier that we just believe that God has allowed us to be a community of believers. And we would love to join our faith with yours and pray together with you. James, in his, his, epistle, or his letter, he says that the, the prayer of faith will save the sick. And he calls for the elders of the church to come forward. And that's, what, that's why we do this. And they anoint with oil. And if you would like us to do that, they pray together with you. And just pray that the prayer of faith would save the sick. That would heal the, 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 the broken down in body. But even beyond or even before that, if you're here today and you say, you know what? I've never begun a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I feel like... I feel like I'm being drawn to it. The Bible says that that's his spirit, drawing your spirit to him. And we would love to pray that prayer with you today and just join our hearts and say, hey, can we pray together? And it's just a simple, God, I'm sorry for the, my, my sin in my life. I want to change. I agree. I, I believe that your son died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sins, helped me to live for you from this day forward. We'd love to pray that prayer with you. If you're joining online and you've never done that, there's a little link that pops up there. The online campus hosts would love to pray uh, that prayer with you and connect with you as well. 
We say this all the time, but those connect cards are really important, church. It's not just a, a record-keeping type thing. It's the, it's the methodology by which we do what this is saying to do, to devote ourselves to life with. So if that's you and you pray that prayer and you come and pray with us today, boy, connect with us through that. It helps us to be able to really live this out as well, too. So as we're going we're gonna to sing a song and be concluded here in just a minute. But as we begin to sing this song, if you would love for us to pray together with you, whether it's a sickness, a healing, something in your life, or, or that prayer of salvation, we'd love to do that as well. So Father, I pray right now that you would just have your way in this place. Speak to us. God, in the same way you gave devotion and, and power and, and influence to those early church leaders, would you do that in this room today? Speak clearly to our hearts. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and let us pray with you today.